fair use of copyright material. I'm going to explain what it is, how it works, and more. Hello and welcome. I'm Gordon Firemark, the podcast lawyer, and this is Legit Podcast Pro. This podcast is for you if you are serious about podcasting and digital media, whether it's your business or a career or a sideline, you're going to want to stick around and hear this. Let's get started with today's topic, copyright and fair use in digital media. Now, it's probably the most common thing I hear from creators when they want to use music or film clips or other kinds of material in their productions. Uh, They say, it's fair use. I don't need permission. And unfortunately, that is just not true most of the time. Fair use can be a valid defense in some copyright infringement cases, but Its application is actually much more limited than most creators think, and there are tons of misconceptions and misunderstandings out there about it. So I'm going to lay out for you a short refresher on copyright basics, and then we're going to get into the complexity of fair use and the reasons that it is so often misunderstood and misapplied and why that can really cost you big time. Uh, But before I do that, I just want to let you know about my upcoming live workshop, Business and Legal Fundamentals for Podcast Growth and Profit. It's coming up on October 7th at 8 a.m. Pacific time, and you can register to attend for free by visiting event.podcastlaw.net. And here's just a quick glimpse of what you can expect. I'm going to be covering a bunch of the common mistakes that podcasters make that wind up costing them time and money and headaches, and I'll show you what to do to avoid those mistakes and make sure that your podcast is set up for pro-level growth and profit, well-protected, well-secured, and everything else. And there will be plenty of time for Q&A so you can get your questions answered in real time. So don't miss this. Business and Legal Fundamentals for Podcast Growth and Profit is coming up October 7th at 8 a.m. Pacific time. Register now at event.podcastlaw.net. And hey, if you're hearing this after October 7th, don't fret. Just head on over there and get on the waiting list so you don't miss it next time I offer the program. All right, let's get into it. Copyright law is the body of law that protects original works of authors against unauthorized copying, reproduction, distribution, displaying, and performing of copyrighted works. So if you're going to do any of those things, you need permission. Copyright protection is automatic. Any original creative work qualifies, and it gets copyrighted just by the mere act of creating it. There is no registration required, and there's no requirement of putting a notice on the work or anything like that, so you should assume that it's protected, although both of those things are a good idea since they can get you better results if there's ever a lawsuit. But the bottom line is this. If you encounter some kind of creative work and it's been created any time within about the last 95 years, well, odds are it's covered by copyright. So you want to use a piece of music as your opener or as underscoring to illustrate something you're talking about? Well, you need permission from the owners of the copyrights in question. And notice that I said copyrights plural. That's because in the music arena especially, there are two copyrights involved. One is the composition, the the work of the songwriters or composers and lyricists, and the other is the master recording, the work of the recording artists and the record label. So you need permission from both of those. All right, you've probably heard all the excuses. I know I have. People say, I'm not making any money from it, or I'm only using a tiny little bit, or it's educational, or but I changed a bunch of it, or I only used four bars or 15 seconds. Well, I'm sorry, 
but those are all coming from misconceptions about this defense called fair use. And notice I called it a defense. That means that before you really get to have the argument and prove up that it's fair use, you got to get sued for copyright infringement. So what I want to do now is read to you what the actual section from the U.S. Code says. And then I'm going to break it down for you a bit so you can see how complex this actually can be when it's applied. So, okay, it's Title 17 of the United States Code, and it says this. It's Section 107. The fair use of a copyrighted work, including such use by reproduction in copies or phonorecords or by any other means specified by the law, for purposes such as criticism, comment, news reporting, teaching, including multiple copies for classroom use, scholarship, or research, is not an infringement of copyright. And then it goes on to say, in determining whether the use made of the work in any particular case is a fair use, the factors to be considered shall include, one, the purpose and character of the use, including whether such use is of a commercial nature or is for nonprofit educational purposes. Two, the nature of the copyrighted work. Three, the amount and substantiality of the portion used in relation to the copyrighted work as a whole. And four, the effect of the use upon the potential market for or value of the copyrighted work. So what this is telling us is that the copyright is not absolute, and that's great. But it's also telling us that fair use isn't absolute either. Even if the work is uh, for these listed purposes, criticism, comment, news reporting, teaching, scholarship, or research, you have to go through this four-factor balancing test to determine whether your use is a fair use. And there is no hard and fast rule of thumb, and none of these factors is going to uh, automatically answer the question for every scenario. All four of these things have to be considered and weighed against each other. And notice, nowhere does it say, I'm not making any money from it. That first factor does talk about nonprofit educational purposes, yeah, but unless you're a school and you're set up with a tax-exempt nonprofit status or that's where you're teaching, that may not help you very much. You say it's educational? Again, nonprofit educational use is what the clause says. That is not the same as just not making a profit. So just because your content might help to give audiences a bit of new information, that might not be good enough. And if you're monetized, well, is that commercial? I'd say probably not, but everything's going to depend on the specific facts in each case. Okay, what about the nature of the copyrighted work, the original? Well, this gets to the idea of transformative content. Is your content different enough in its basic character from the original that it can be said to transform the work? <coughs> or is it just an incorporation of the original into something new, but not really all that different? Entertainment is entertainment, after all. The amount and substantiality of the portion used in relation to the copyrighted work as a whole is the next element. And, well, obviously, if you're using the whole thing, that's going to work against you. But that substantiality thing is where it can get sticky. Even if the bit of, that you use is very small, if it's the most important part of the copyrighted work, the hook of a song, for, uh, for example, or the essential bit of a video clip that shows the events that matter, well, that's pretty substantial, isn't it? That is why there's no four bars of music or 15 seconds rule of thumb. And then we get to the last factor, the effect of the use on the potential market for or value of the original work. 
it's not whether you're making money, but whether you're possibly denying the copyright holder some opportunity to make money. And sometimes that opportunity comes in the form of saying no to some uses to preserve the value of the work in other ways. So let's take a couple of common use cases and discuss them just as ways of example. Using a song as a show opener or an underscore. Well, that's probably not going to work as fair use. There is a market for music licensing. So using the music without paying the, uh, the authors and the creators, that does deprive them of revenue. If you use it in your production, that it doesn't really serve a non-commercial, educational, or critical commentary kind of purpose. And you're using a fairly big chunk. So ultimately, I think it's not transforming the music in any way. And what about those reaction videos that you often see like on YouTube and stuff? Well, leaving aside that YouTube's approach to automated takedowns may not be entirely consistent with the actual law of fair use, here is how the analysis generally works. The purpose and character of the new material is to show the reaction, the commentary, the criticism, or a review of the original. So that factor weighs in favor of fair use. The new material usually fe also features the video of the reviewer and commentator, you know, like a talking head overlaid or some, you know, sometimes it's a window picture in picture or something. So that's a bit of a transformation as well, although probably not standing by itself enough to make a difference. The nature of the original, often not that much different. It's there to entertain and inform you. So that factor may weigh either against fair use or at best sort of neutral. The amount and substantiality, of course, depends on how much of the original is used. So it could really go either way. And the effect on the market or value for the original, probably not that big since folks who want to consume the original probably wouldn't view this new content as a substitute. Uh, but there is a licensing marketplace. So I'm again going to say this factor kind of comes out neutral. And that means that you've, you're relying on, in this case, the one first factor, that, that criticism commentary. But this is why you don't see a lot of these kinds of videos being taken down. It's kind of a close call, but I think that criticism and commentary in the first factor seems to carry the day. All right. So what if you want to do a music review show where you're going to play a clip from the song and then talk about what's going on in there, maybe, you know, break it down a little bit. Well, the purpose and character factor is going to go your way. Criticism, commentary, maybe even teaching, although it's not nonprofit educational. But if you're breaking down the music theory or lyrical devices or something else, that could be considered, uh, you know, sort of a transformation of what the original is there for. The nature of the original, probably neutral. It's still music and entertainment is its purpose. So it's not going to be a huge transformative effect, but it is there. The amount and substantiality factor really, again, depends on how long the bits that you use are. If you play the whole song and then you're talking about it, probably not a fair use, but 10 seconds of, of them, of the song, and then you or, or you talking over some of the music, maybe that is fair use. And again, effect on the market and value, probably this isn't going to turn out to look like a substitute listening experience. So I'm going to give this one to fair use side of the scale, but only slightly. And here's another example. Suppose you're doing a true crime show and you want to use clips from a TV news report or something. Well, purpose and character, it's news and documentary. Your video as well. The nature of the original, same thing. News, documentary, education, information, right? Amount and substantiality, again, depends on how much you use. And that effect on the market value also depends. How long ago was the clip created and broadcast? Is it very recent, in which case it has high value or... Is it not? Could you license it from the owners? Is there even a market? Has it ever been licensed before? 
If you want to use footage from Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech at the uh, March on Washington, well, guess what? (laughs) There's a market for that, and if you use it without permission, you're going to get sued. In this case, a single short clip is probably not going to get you sued or taken down. But again, it's very, very dependent on that amount and substantiality factor. And the fact that TV networks and stations have armies of copyright lawyers is another one. Do you have armies of copyright lawyers? (laughs) So as you can see, each of the scenarios is very, very fact-specific. Now, fair use is an analysis that has to be done for each unauthorized use of copyrighted material. You can't just expect it to always fit your circumstances every time. And that's why I encourage folks not to rely on fair use, at least without having some good legal advice for the first few times out, so you can learn and adhere to some best practices for your particular scenario. Copyright law is designed to incentivize creators to do their thing. It, go, it does that by giving them a way to charge money for using their creations, and I think that's a good thing. Now, fair use, though, is how the courts and Congress have decided to balance that incentive system against the principles of free expression that are covered by the First Amendment. And I think those are good things, too. So I want you to just think about this and try to respect copyright law, but also respect the First Amendment. When you're doing this kind of work, it's important to consider all factors and just try to be a reasonable person about things. And that's going to be it for this episode. I hope this has opened your eyes uh, to how copyright law and fair use work and that you will put it to good use in your podcast creation endeavors. I'm Gordon Firemark, the podcast lawyer, and I'll catch you again next week on Legit Podcast Pro.